Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to yet another episode of this show. Uh, we're here. We're talking watches. We're going to get straight into it. Tom, what's piqued your interest this week? Yeah, so I've been perusing the Rolex website, um, just looking for Christmas presents for people, you know. Uh, I don't want to leave it too late, so I'm thinking, like, next day delivery, get, you know, some gifts for people, because I'm a realistic guy. <laughs> it's for Christmas 2028, by which point your name will have been called on the waiting list. And, yeah. <laughs> and also, anything you say you're not obligated to carry out after five years as well. So that's my rule anyway. <laughs> so I was looking at the new watches of 2021 and there was something that really caught my eye. These new dials that Rolex are touting and there's a couple of um, Datejust 36s and a Daytona Meteorite dial. So we'll come maybe come back to the Meteorite in a bit, but the, the Datejust 36 has got a palm motif and a fluted motif as they're being called by Rolex and they struck me as being something a little bit different from Rolex. I know um, the Datejust has always been a bit of a canvas for Rolex in the past. It's somewhere where they kind of wig out a little bit with, with some designs and also this year we've seen some colourful Oyster Perpetuals um, which which we've done a review on some uh, bright red and bright yellow dials uh, which made me when I filmed them really want a hot dog afterwards um, <laughs> but you know they've got some the candy pink and the uh, turquoise coral and things like that and yeah that Tiffany blue and it, it seems like they're kind of pushing something and um, what I guess I re what really struck me was you know is this something is this something Rolex is going for and and it kind of brought into my mind Grand Seiko because um, mm. we're big champions of Grand Seiko on the channel and Hells yeah. <laughs> we especially like their dials. That's usually the main feature of a video whenever we have a Grand Seiko. And I wonder if this is something maybe Rolex is trying to do to kind of close the gap when it comes to the dial. Um, not that Rolex need to turn their guns on anyone or anything because they're the big boys, but I just I just thought, oh, maybe is this is this a push to kind of close the dial gap with Grand Seiko because they're kind of maybe they're maybe they're a little bit worried or maybe they're a little bit like put out or something. I don't know. Like <laughs> I'm, I was going to say to crush the little man, but then Seiko is probably the largest watch manufacturer in the entire yeah, world. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, 
projecting um, emotions onto corporations again, but um, <laughs> do you, you know what I mean. I, I, I wondered what your take on it was, um, and how you felt about these new these new watches. That's a really interesting notion, actually, um, because there's something that I think we all love about Grand Seiko, and it's the dials. They they are known for creating miniature works of art, and even even my own SPGV two four five. It's not the most Grand Seiko y dial. Mm. But that brush texture, it just adds another dimension to it. And it, it turns it from being just the canvas for the markers to be sat on into a canvas to communicate art with. Yeah, yeah. And from some of the shots that you've got before of the snowflake dial, when you get in close there, with the right angle and the right sound effects, you could well be looking at acres and acres of cold, snowy snow drifts. Uh, and it takes you somewhere. And yeah, yeah. I, I wonder if Rolex is trying to capitalise on that. What I do think, though, there's something very emotive about those Grand Seiko dials. Be they be the, that very um, calm and serene snowflake, or the more aggressive and angular birch, or the the spring dial from the, mm. the spring collection. They, they all evoke a different feeling, whereas I find with the Rolex versions, they look nice. Yeah, yeah, it, that's... Uh, yeah, I would agree. You, I think with with most of the uh, Grand Seiko dials, the, what they're going for is unmistakable. There are a few that are kind of maybe a little bit interpretive, but the Snowflake and the White Birch and uh, those seasonal ones, you definitely get a sense of... Um, the, the the what they're trying to interpret there or represent on those dials but yeah as you say with with um with the date justs especially historically i feel like they've just been like a little bit of fun like a fun kind of deviation from what what they've been doing there have been all sorts of them there you know floral and pinstripe and walnut and things like that like it never really felt like like a, vi- a vision or anything it, it it never really felt like they were trying to carry something through on the on the dial would you agree with that uh, with perhaps the exception of the Mount Iwate dial, which, if I recall, you described as looking hairy. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, they, I definitely think the Grand Seiko dials do something deeper. But the, the thing is, the the Rolex ones aren't anything new necessarily as a concept. They've always done interesting dials uh, with their day dates and date justs. Um, some of the common ones that we've seen before are, are the the linen dial, which has that that mm-hmm. feeling of material, obviously like like linen and the tapestry dial, and more recently perhaps the jubilee, which has that Rolex motif engraved over and over again. But if you if you rewind even further back than that, you'll see some crazy stone dials as well. They actually used slices of stone, like obsidian. Uh, and an agate and things like that and even tiger's eye to create some very unique and very natural looking dials and i think they've moved away from that a bit yeah is this is this now what they're trying to do are they trying to are they trying to evoke something now because that palm motif what's it got you feeling tom (laughs) when i saw it i was just like i could wear that on holiday (laughs) so do you imagine it uh, advertised in the little catalogue that they have in the seat back. You think, oh, <laughs> yeah. oh, I forgot I forgot to buy my Rolex with a palm dial. Oh, I left mine at home. I'll buy one on the plane, tax-free. Yeah, no, I don't know. It just, it immediately was just like, oh, wow, that's, 
that's taking me places that could that could literally take me places like that's something i'd want to wear out in the world and i think that i think there's something there's something to be said about that um i don't know how about the execution because these look incredibly typically rolex crisp to me so the the fluted motif which reminds me of the lamborghini hexagon pattern go and go and look at any picture of a modern lamborghini and you'll see that hexagon pattern just all over right uh perhaps even a honeycomb but the it's the palm one that's really catching my eye because it's it's not a thing of nature it's not evoking nature with shape and form it is very crisp it's very modern looking but is also very clearly palm leaves yeah how are they making this one this is what kind of led me down the the grand seiko comparison is because but this is um, etched onto an already sunburst dial with a um, femtosecond laser, which is a laser traditionally used in sort of cataract um, laser eye surgery. But what this does is short laser bursts. <laughs> uh, and I think femtosecond is one millionth of a billionth of a second. Right. So short, tiny laser bursts to etch in this pattern onto the dial. And um, this is something that Rolex is doing in-house so it's kind of it seems like something that they're committing to it it doesn't seem like you know they haven't sent them away and been like oh let's have a couple of these it seems like this is going to be something maybe that we're going to see more of going forward um there are two kinds of organizations that i'm aware of that use lasers one the, the science and engineering industry right for, for research and all that kind of stuff two Evil corporations. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, I, I, the fact that Rolex are now shooting their dials with lasers is very... Uh, I f- it feels very modern Rolex. It feels very kind of like... I don't want to say faceless, but everything Rolex does is very secretive and behind closed doors, behind fingerprint locked iris scanning safe rooms. Yeah, I think the uh, the femtosecond laser gun would sit very nicely next to all the part sorting robots and <laughs> airlocks and retina scanners and stuff it, yeah. it feels yeah it, it feels very modern rolex that was what intrigued me about it as well is that it's so rolex and it seems to it seems to sort of sit at odds with what we kind of feel about grand seiko and how they make their dials they the picture they paint is one of like this artisanal approach you know they use stamps to yeah. press the brass dials and then you know you know paint paint the textures over the top which seems like a kind of archaic in in the face of millionth of a billionth laser guns blasting on your dial well i I do i do picture the omega ceo strapped to a table with the rolex ceo blasting a femtosecond laser at him all in a bid to get the james bond contract back (laughs) yeah but yeah that that's that that kind of summarizes the essence of how i feel about these two dials the the grand seiko feels like the the imperfect creation of a person and the rolex variation feels like the very perfect creation of a machine not that it doesn't look nice Mm. but one feels a bit more cold and the other feels a bit more human so do you do you see this do you see the the, these motifs just kind of sitting in there with 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 the rest of the kind of wacky date just retrospective or do you do you think this is a push well i've got a theory i i think interesting dials are generally becoming more popular yeah in the watch industry as a whole right it used to be and this this is this is not just true of the watch industry it used to be that everything was various shades of gray 
And then that movie was made and everyone wanted to disassociate from that. <laughs> Directly associated the, <laughs> the change. But you see, you see now, for example, the last generation of BMWs and Mercedes and Porsches were all different shades of grey. And now you can buy them in all sorts of wacky colours. The latest and last Patek Nautilus 5711 is a Tiffany dial in Tiffany blue. Yeah. Like this thing is brown. It's radioactive. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that proceeds uh, the hand grenade Nautilus in the, with that deep green dial, that very muddy green. So I think, I think this is a natural evolution of what people want from watches. They want to have a bit more fun with them. Sure. They want to have a collection that they can pick and choose. Like, what socks am I going to wear today? I'm going to wear my Simpson socks or am I going to wear my whatever? Yeah. This is that. This is what we're seeing. Not just the luxury watch, but the luxury of choice. Simpson socks and Tiffany dial all the way. S exactly. What a combo. <laughs> Um, yeah, 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 maybe you're right. Maybe this is just a, a global trend then. Um, it's not specifically... Because the other thing that strikes me about it as well is you, it could be conceived as Rolex have gone, you know, tremendous upheaval to kind of um, secure and implement this technology and, you know, these femtosecond lasers. This is very, very high-tech equipment and they've implemented it and installed it into their um, manufacturing lines and they've done all this work and they've done all this research and then they finally got to the point where it's like, oh, so what do you want to do with it? And the CEO of Rolex has looked around his office and seen a palm in the corner and the parquet flooring and gone, oh, uh, palm motif and fluted motif. And that's what we've got. <laughs> I really hope that's true. I hope it's <laughs> such an enormous spend spent so arbitrarily. <laughs> I don't know. That seems harsh. But at the same time, it kind of like I, I'm definitely getting a push me, pull you feeling with, with these watches and how i'm kind of reacting to them it's like on one thing i think it's really exciting and i think oh i'd love i'd love to see more than that like especially that that the palm motif i think um yeah it does it does it does give me some sort of grand seiko vibes and even that fluted motif when you really get in there it looks almost like tiny bricks have been laid because of the precision of this laser cutting it's yeah really really clever um, yeah, there's a multitude of textures in there and even the divide between them has levels to it, doesn't it? It's, yeah. I'm very keen to get one of these in and point the macro lens and see how much it differs to the CGI that Rolex shows us. Yeah, 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 yeah. Agreed. Um, yeah, so uh, maybe, maybe it's just a, a first step. They're just trying this, <laughs> trying out these lasers. <laughs> maybe we'll see. Maybe maybe they can do extraordinary things with them. We'll, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But yeah, or it's it's just another date just deviation, which, you know, we've seen before. Walnut. I was looking at the walnut dial before, and just like the Oyster Perpetuals made me want a hot dog, the walnut one made me want a Guinness. And I don't, I don't even like Guinness. I feel like it would be most appropriate to wear your walnut-dialed Rolex whilst driving your very old Rolls-Royce. You know, the <laughs> ones they, they they find for weddings and things like that. Yeah, it definitely, yeah, that's the other thing. It definitely evoked some kind of um, dashboard um, yeah. Yeah, vibes. Old wealth, old money. <laughs> and cars that sound like this. <laughs> um. Another a, a thing, a piece of information that you said that I was particularly drawn to was the the specificity of the lasers being used for eye surgery. Yeah. <laughs> um, and to 
to draw parallels back to the evil corporation, are there children's hospitals for, for kids that can't see so good that are now going without because because Rolex has furnished its factory with these very specific lasers for eyes? Um no. No, let's say let's say that they they made them themselves. It's um, the, the Rolex ones you couldn't use on ice. They're just for dials. Those ones they have no okay. medical. They've been altered. Like they just sort of look like the ones. So no. But what I think is funny is um, one of the things that's on my list if I ever win the lottery is to get laser eye surgery. Like like it's it's too expensive. <laughs> um, but I would like to get shot of these glasses. Um, and but now it's now it's like, do I get laser eye surgery, or do I buy a Rolex with laser eye surgery? <laughs> well, maybe one. you should, you could work for Rolex, and it might become one of the perks of the job. Never mind booper cover. Yeah, what? Just just stand in the way. Yeah. <laughs> get out of the way! I'm trying to inch these dials. Get your head out of the way. If you work for Rolex and you work on these lasers, um, pop your head in there. Let us know how it turns out. <laughs> yeah, get yourself some free laser eye surgery. Working on all those tiny parts has got to strain your eyes. So, yeah, help yourself. You've earned it, Rolex worker. Would you have uh, the a palm tree Rolex, Tom? Uh, yes, I thought. Yeah, I would like that. I'd like that very much. Okay, can I rephrase? Can I rephrase that? Oh, if you had to pay for one, would you have one? Oh. <laughs> Um, so um, uh, maybe yeah do you know what actually um, of all the Rolexes in the world um, currently I would say yeah that that's pretty high on my list would you have it over a Grand Seiko that's probably not no there was a core there was a Grand Seiko release this year um, that Lake Sua did you see it it's almost perfect I think that is quite the watch Oh uh, yeah. yeah, they've they've done a number that they've listened to people. They've got that Crador inspired five day spring drive with the power reserve on the back, yeah. taking the power reserve off the front. It's taken them a while, but they finally listened. Yeah, and then yeah, so the, the dial looks like the Cote d'Azur to me. Yeah, that blue lake surface with a little flash of gold, and just so clean and yeah, perfect. Um, but the palm motif, it's definitely a contender in my eyes for best watch ever around. Wow. Okay. I f- I feel like we should we should note this down somewhere and build a list of best watches ever around, <laughs> as decided by Tom. Yeah. How much are we looking for for the Rolex? So the Datejust thirty six, yeah, with the palm motif and the fluted motif, uh, are five thousand six hundred and fifty pounds. Um, those motifs come in a range of colours. The palm has a silver and gold version, and the fluted one comes in gold and blue as well. Although the blue's buried on the website, but it does exist. Do you know what? I think Ro- Rolex have done themselves a bit of a disservice with their CGI, right? Because when you actually see pictures of the real thing, because I've not seen one in, the, in for real yet, yeah. The green as it moves backwards and forwards, that sunburst pattern that's in there makes it shift from very dark green to very gold, which actually then, even though it is a very crisp and machine-like thing, that adds a sense of warmth that feels quite natural. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think sometimes Rolex's uh, promotional imagery, it, it's sort of ultra-glossy, ultra-high finish, 
that it sort of gets into this uncanny valley kind of lawnmower man aesthetic and <laughs> yeah. and it starts to become you can't you kind of think oh i'm just looking at some computer game here this isn't a watch yeah. um and the other thing i don't think they've they're particularly marketing it that well i mean if it doesn't involve roger federer or sailing they don't seem to give it any kind of visual push yeah I guess they don't need to, do they? No, that's the thing. Just under £6,000. It's a couple of thousand pounds cheaper than that Grand Seiko you'd like. Uh, and, and, as, and as if by way to demonstrate how popular that palm dial is, um, it has appreciated by over double since its launch. So if you did want one, you probably can't have one anyway. So Grand Seiko it is. Um, I'd love to know what you, our dear viewers and listeners, think on this. Uh, Grand Seiko or Rolex? Whose dials are better? Do you think Rolex is is coming for Grand Seiko, and do you think do you think it will be effective? Do you think Rolex couldn't give a toffee? Let us know. And while you're at it, while you're down in the comments, you're so close to the subscribe button, so close. Just give it a little tickle. <laughs> so uh, we're just gonna have a quick look at some of the comments that you've been posting, and I'd like to start off with an apology for a previous video. Um, Thank you, John Wayne. As you've quite rightly pointed out, the bird that Thierry Nataf was holding was not an eagle. It was a falcon. Sorry. Also, you can't use GPS underwater. Num nuts. <laughs> um, so Colin Cowell uh, has a question and he asks, so um, this is in reference to the Zenith Defy sapphires that we featured last week. Um, so is the sapphire crystal really a good choice for a case material? Wouldn't it chipped when dropped? Uh, that's a good question. I'm going to say yes. But what do you say, Andrew? You're the man with the fact. <laughs> um, well, let's rewind back to the 60s when uh, Omega offered NASA a sapphire version of its moonwatch to take on the Apollo missions. And NASA said no. NASA said we would like plastic, please, because the plastic will um, scuff and scratch as opposed to the sapphire because the sapphire would explode into a bazillion pieces and would get into all of the instruments like uh, like the ants did when Homer went to space. They'll clog the instruments! <laughs> exactly. Uh, so yeah, the, the thing is with sapphire, it's a bit like ceramic. It's a very, very hard material. Uh, and when things are very hard, it means... Um, they have a certain kind of strength, but they lose out in other ways. They, they also become very brittle. Mm. And brittle means that a point force will cause them to shatter, fragment very, very easily. So like a ceramic watch, a sapphire watch is more at risk of shattering. Yeah. A point force can fracture it and make it explode. How, how likely that is to happen? You do have to whack a sapphire crystal pretty hard to make it shatter. Yeah. Do you reckon a, a banister slam could take your lug off? <laughs> uh, well, let's let's see if we can get some budget to <laughs> buy one and try it out. But but yeah, so sapphire as a case material is going to be a lot harder than steel. Even the kind of 904 steel that Rolex uses, which is a bit harder than typical 316L steel. That is more likely to dent because it's softer than something like Sapphire, which is the second hardest natural substance from diamond. But then again, you don't hear of diamonds and sapphire crystals generally shattering. So uh, 
I feel like Zenith wouldn't have made a case out of Sapphire and other companies wouldn't have made a case out of Sapphire if it's going to explode at the merest sneeze. Yeah, I love that image, don't you? Someone holding their watch in a million pieces think, why would they do that? <laughs> yeah, uh, that's something we can look into, actually. Maybe we'll try and ask some watch companies at what point does this explode? Yeah, do they do, they do um, endurance tests on these things? Yeah. We've seen the odd we've seen the odd photo of a ceramic case in pieces, but the, the internet's not littered with them. No. So I think that probably answers the case, the the question as as to how fragile it is. And I yeah. would say more fragile than a steel case in terms of shattering, but not fragile enough that you need to be concerned. So, um, Colin, uh, absolutely go ahead and buy the Zenith. You'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Enjoy. All right. Well, as always, if you do have questions, sling them our way. Um, they can be about our personal lives. Anything. Just ask us some questions. No, 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 no. They have to be about watches. I'm not interested in whether Andrew likes hot sauce on his Wingos or Perry on his Nandos. <laughs> like, it doesn't... No. Watches only. Uh, the answer is I do like hot sauce on my Wingos. <laughs> and on that note, um, I think we're going to wrap it up. So, until next time. Bye-bye. Subscribe. <laughs>